Hello everyone, welcome to the Breakcast, the official podcast of thepopbreak.com. My name is Bill Bodkin, I am the editor-in-chief, owner, and co-founder of the site. And for this podcast, and probably this podcast alone, I will also be the only person speaking on this podcast. Now, some of you might be nervous and be like, why is Bill... (laughs) On a podcast by himself, uh, there's nothing negative or ominous to speak of. Um, I'm actually sitting here at my desk, uh, which is very fitting, uh, as my wife is in another room uh, watching TV. Uh, it is, by the time you're hearing this, will be September 29th, 2019. And this day is very special. And where I'm sitting and why my wife's in the other room is also very important because 10 years ago on September 29th, the day you're hearing this, around probably 6, 6.30 p.m., I launched this site. And I was sitting at my desk at my apartment in a small Jersey Shore town called Seagirt, New Jersey. And my then girlfriend, who is now my wife, was sitting in the other room watching TV, waiting for me to be done with whatever ever I was doing and kind of like actually wondering what I was doing, much like she's probably wondering what I'm doing now talking to myself into a microphone attached to my laptop uh, at why well, I'm recording this at 11.30 p.m. the night before, 29th to the 28th. It's wild to think that this site, which I'll get into the story, but was not always the popbreak.com or pop-break.com as it was before. It was another site name, which was fairly terrible. And I'll get into that story shortly. But it's wild to think that 10 years have passed since I pushed publish on this site. It's a, it, it's wild because not only have we been, literally the fact it's been 10 years, but just the, the impact it's had on me personally. And it's gone to places that probably about a, a 1% of me thought of back when we launched the site 10 years ago. I never envisioned that this site would be around this long. That we have close to 12,000 posts on this site. A couple hundred people have written or shot for this site. And that real life for me and for others was impacted in a positive manner because of this site. I never intended for any of this, but I'm glad my intentions, which were very small and very selfish when I started this 10 years ago, were exceeded. And I'm here to talk about this. And I guess this podcast in some ways is kind of the oral history of the site as well as, uh, you know, a history of myself and 
what this site has meant to me. And maybe this podcast is more for me just as a way to talk about this site and really wrap my head around this anniversary more than for anyone else. But I felt I should do this by myself because I've been interviewed by uh, members of the staff like on podcasts for the site. And I always felt that was a little disingenuous. It was always like, hey, here's PR. Hey, interview me to make me sound good or something like that. And it was never the intention of that. It just always felt awkward and weird to me. And interviews I've done about the site, I've never felt like I've gotten everything across. And I'm sure I won't get everything across I want to on this podcast, but I'm sure it's all I'm going to try. So uh, first off, I want to thank, well, anyone who's actually listening to this podcast, but also you, the reader, or you, the staff member, because you are the reason 10 years has happened, that nearly 12,000 posts has happened, uh, that has kept this site going for as long as it has. Because if no one was reading the site, what's the point? If no one's writing for the site, I probably would have given up on it a long time ago. But because of people that not named Bill Bodkin, this site is going, is thriving, and has been an intrinsic part of my identity and of my life for the last 10 years. And as usual, I'm going to take a sip of a, a little... This is my not my Jameson sponsorship, but my Tito sponsorship. It's unofficial, but it does the same trick. So I've told this story a number of times of how this site started. I usually tell it probably at our Christmas shows or our anniversary shows. And for anyone who's wondering, yes, there will be a 10-year anniversary show slash, I want to say, fourth annual Pop Break Locals Christmas Party, which we will be doing to benefit the Asbury Park Police Department's um, toy drive. Um, We've done a really good job of uh, raising awareness for this charity and getting barrels of toys for underprivileged children in the greater Asbury Park area, getting some toys under the tree for Christmas, which has been a really rewarding thing. Um, I don't have a date yet. I don't have bands booked yet, but for anyone wondering, yes, it will happen. So I hope I hope to see you guys out there. So how did this site start? That's a, a story I've told a million times, and it's a very easy one to tell. The site started for very, very selfish reasons. Um, back in 2008, I'll take you back to, I was working, um, and I worked at this place up until two, Hurricane Sandy hit, pardon me, in 2012, a Jersey Shore nightlife and entertainment magazine called Night and Day. I had been there since the end of 2003. Uh, I was still in college. I was their intern. And Night and Day was a very intensive job, very small staff. Uh, we did all the writing, the editing, page layout, photography, ad sales, ad design, delivery. I, I developed our MySpace page. Take it telling you how long ago this was, our Facebook page, I ran the intern program, I ran the promotional team, collected bills, I did just about everything but uh, do payroll. But I was getting a little bored with what I was doing, and that wasn't anything to do with the company. I mean, I loved writing about Jersey Shore Nightlife and Entertainment, which is a shorthand way of saying we're a bar magazine. And um, yeah, But when you write about the same thing for a number of years, you kind of want to branch out. 
So I figured, oh, what better way to do that than start a blog? Because, you know, this is the mid to late aughts and blogging was the hotness. Uh, also, the phrase the hotness was very hip during the aughts. Um, yeah, it's going to be a long podcast, people. Just buckle up. Um, so what I ended up doing was I went on Blogspot and I started a blog called Sleepless in Seagirt. Yep. I'll wait for your laughter. It was called Sleepless in Seagirt, and I basically based it off the fact I was a night owl, and I used to stay up when I used to watch movies all the time. But there was like film noirs on like Turner Classic movies or whatever I whatever discs yes discs I I got from Netflix. Um, I was like an early Netflix subscriber, and. Um, like anyone who ran a blog during that time period, I, I wrote a couple posts, and then life, life got in the way, and then I didn't write anything for a couple days, a couple weeks, a couple months, and then next thing you know, I, I I post again. I'm like, oh, I'm so bad at doing this. I'm such a bad blogger. Oh, don't worry. I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna recommit myself. Don't worry. And days will go by, weeks go by, months will go by, and the same thing, wash, rinse, repeat. Uh, for a couple for a couple cycles, and then I was like, Ugh, whatever, gave up on it. In 2009, we were in the midst of a really terrible recession, um, and this is the only politics I guess I talk about on the site. Um, and I was actually running the magazine at the time, and my my boss, who's actually my boss, <laughs> my new job, uh, my current job, I should say, uh, you know, he was doing some of his family ventures, and I was in charge. So my my Editorial policy was very simple. Content was king, and that's how we're going to drive ad sales. We're going to write stories, and people are going to advertise them. It sort of worked, but with the economy being down, and we made most of our money in the summer because we're at the Jersey Shore, it rained nearly every weekend for about seven weeks straight, so we weren't making any revenue. The owner came back, had to lay off a good friend of mine who was working underneath me, and even though it was never said, I was demoted from running the whole publication to being like the managing editor, basically the sidekick for the owner. We cut content down to a bare minimum. I mean, my stories basically, we took ad copy and just regurgitated it into some pithy little 20 word piece. I'm like literally sometimes 20 words. We just focused on ads. At the same time, a guy who used to work there came up to me and he says, you know what, pardon my language, but he's like, no one gives a shit about what you write, Bill. No one has ever cared what you write. And that killed me. And I was like, no one cares what I write. write. This, is, this is what I went to school for. This is my passion. This is what I love to do. So I went on, so after we got through that summer and we turned a profitable year and saved the company from going under, I went to Vegas with my girlfriend, now wife, and had a lot of time to think. Came home and I was like, if no one cares about what I write in this magazine, I'm going to start my own thing for real and I'm going to write what I love and that that was pop, excuse me, pop culture. I just didn't want to write about bars. I wanted to write about music and movies and television and wrestling and video games and all the stuff I really loved. So I, I found... One of my best friends, his name is Brent Johnson. Yeah, he works for the, he worked for, well, still does, works for the Star Ledger slash New Jersey Advanced Media slash NJ.com, a place I worked for for a few years later in life, uh, thanks in part to Brent and this site. And 
I uh, I said to him and I'm like, dude, you are covering town hall meetings in central Jersey in like Metuchen where I went to high school. And uh, I was like, how boring is that? You're one of the best entertainment writers, best music writers I've ever worked with. I said, we worked together in college, which I'll get to later. And I said, we should do something together to get our creative juices flowing, to really just be creative. So this site really started out of selfish motives. Like I was frustrated with my job and where my, my writing career was going. So I'm like, I need an outlet. I need to do something. And I figured, much like I used to lift back in the day, if you just looked at me now, you'd be like, there's no no way you ever lifted. But I used to be in shape. And um, I always worked better when I had people to lift with who kept me accountable. So I figured what way better to run a blog than, which is what I considered it back then, uh, than work with somebody. Brent was one of the best writers I ever worked with. He's one of my best friends. And uh, I had worked with him. He had worked with me. He had worked under me for a number of years. So I'm like, let's do this. So we came up with the idea of we were going to create a, a website that was going to be like where we were in college. And it was a, that was an entertainment magazine called Inside Beat. And that was the weekly entertainment magazine of the Daily Targum. The Daily Targum was a highly respected legendary college newspaper it was independent of Rutgers we, we actually got paid to work there and for most of my college career I worked for Inside Beat and I wrote entertainment pieces and I had and I had always hoped in my mind that one day I could find the people I worked with from Inside Beat and I could create a website that reflected everything I did there because I wasn't the most popular choice to run the site because I was a little too my my tastes for my predecessors was a little too weird and a little too mainstream and I liked wrestling too much which I'm sure my editors now are like yeah, there's a lot of wrestling on this site <laughs> we're in the new golden age guys I gotta I, we gotta write about it but um, my philosophy was and it still is, and that's kind of what I wanted to apply to the site I want to create with Brent was, I wanted to walk this line of being the now defunct, I guess, Village Voice and Entertainment Weekly at the same time. Like, I wanted the mainstream and the independent to get the same love and attention and written with the same passion and fervor, and I thought that was a good idea for a magazine. Or either a print one or a digital one. So on September 29th, 2009, we launched this site. And I remember I did a, a, a lousy little welcome piece. And the first piece I ran from the site was actually a piece I had written for Night and Day that had gotten tremendously cut that summer. And it was about a, a local cover band singer who also was an original music artist and had been nominated for a daytime Emmy. His name was Mike Dalton. Mike Dalton's a good dude. Uh, someone I got along with in that scene down there in the Jersey Shore. Played a lot of the bars. And I remember I interviewed him and I had like this six page interview that we ended up doing like, we cut 80% of it for the magazine. So what I did was I rewrote it and I added all my original copy back in and I had gotten permission to do this. And I remember Brent had, re, you know, throughout the beginning 
Brent was like, well, I can rerun some of my freelance stories. I later got rid of those because I just didn't feel right that he was paid to write for now defunct paper, I should mention. Uh, and uh, they were interviews with some nice artists and stuff. And I just was like, eh, I don't feel right about this. So those stories don't exist anymore. Nowhere I mentioned what they were, or what paper were they for. So I ran the Mike Dalton piece. And I remember my statement to Brent was this when I published it. I said, dude, if by the end of 2009, we get 100 views on this site, I will be really, really happy. I can tell you that by the end of that night, before midnight of the 29th of September, we had 100 views on the site. Now, spoilers, the next day we had one view. <laughs> and the day after we had zero. Um, but... I was stunned at the fact that a hundred people checked this site out. People actually liked what we put on there. And in those early days, it was just the site was just meant for me and Brent, which gets me to my story about what the name of the site originally was. Listen, so I'm just going to preempt this by saying, like, it was a bad name. It was it was garbage, but I couldn't think of anything. So we were, and this was for about a year or so, we were the B&B &B Entertainment Blog. What does B&B &B stand for? Yes, you guessed it. Bill and Brent's Entertainment Blog, or Brent and Bill's Entertainment Blog, whatever you blog, whatever you wanted to call it. It's, it's a terrible name, guys. It was absolutely, it was so bad. And I'm embarrassed to tell you. I'm not embarrassed because we did a lot of good things with that, but it wasn't it wasn't a good name at all, man. It was it was it it was the shits. And but we we ran with it, and um, you know, man, it's just just one of those things. We can't think of a good name. We just kind of just wing it, and that's the best we can come up with. Luckily, we changed it to Pop Break, probably about 2011. I want to say 2011, maybe late 2000. No, no, it was 2011, yeah, because 2010 we were still B&B. Um, and again, it was just me and Brent writing this stuff, and we used to meet up at the Student Center at Rutgers University or a pizza place in New Brunswick, and we would just come up with story ideas and stuff like that. And some of those early stories, I can tell you, involved like the premiere of Jersey Shore, which my wife actually wrote, and it's still one of my favorite pieces we've ever run on the site. Um, I think we did a debate on like Beatles rock band, again, really encapsulating the time period we, we came out in. I think I wrote about a Dane Cook comedy special. Brent wrote about like Applebee's taking away the fried chicken salad, which was his favorite thing in the world to eat, and he used to eat in like... I legit timed him. He ate like a whole dinner salad, which is the size of like my child, uh, in like 90 seconds. Now Brent has, you know, he's a special boy. And uh, it was, I love him, but he's special sometimes. And I, again, I never really wanted to do more than just the two of us. But I started getting these like itches to like start reaching out to people. And I remember one of the first things I ever did was. I want to say my friend is someone I knew from college. Her name was Jen Castoro. Well, I have to tell. Well, I haven't talked to him in a while, and I should, and I feel bad about that. Um, she worked for Ladies Home Journal. 
and I remember she wrote this piece, again, dating ourselves, about John and Kate Plus 8, which was a very popular reality show at the time. It was a terrible show, but it was still very popular. And she wrote this piece, and I remember we got permission to run part of her story, like repurpose her story and link to Ladies Home Journal's web, Ladies Home Journal, the website. And like, her editor gave us permission to do this. I never forget, I'm like, why the hell would she do this, man? We are just a know-nothing.wordpress.com blog. We are nothing. But I still did it. And I guess that was like the first like seed planted that I wanted to do a lot more with this site than I really expected. And over like 2009, you know, we started reaching out to people. And here's where one of the cool things happened where a friend of mine from high school by the name of Logan Fowler posted something on Facebook when people used to post like Facebook notes. Um, and he ended up writing this whole thing about his favorite, his top 10 or top, he ranked all the Pixar movies. I remember using that. And Logan Fowler became one of the first people we ever had on the site to write for us. He was our, one of our first staff members. He's still with us to this day, which is fairly amazing. And he's someone who, you know, he doesn't write as much as he used to today. But if there were no Logan Fowler, I can assure you, and those clicks are me just going back to older posts, by the way, sorry about that, I'm very professional. If there was no Logan Fowler, there would be no site because in 2010, he was a guy who, you know, he worked a job. He lived on his own down the Jersey Shore. He was kind of, didn't have a girlfriend at the time, happily, now happily married. And he was, he saved our bacon because he was able to come in and write a ton for us. And he did. And he really carried our, he, he's, he carried us. He carried this site into existence. Like, like when I say into existence, like if he didn't, like there would be nothing. Like Brett and I worked very hard that year. That was the year I got, 2010 was the year I got married and my wife was unemployed. So I was working like double, triple time just to make, you know, to work and get like bonus money basically in order to really, you know, pay for our wedding and secure like favors for our wedding and stuff like that. And he was a big part of keeping us afloat. And then I started reaching out to like people from inside beat and our second real staff member who stuck was my mentor. His name is Jason Kundrath. He's a guy who's written for us before he's been on uh, for a number of years. He's played a number of our original shows that we've done. Um, I podcasted with Jay as well. He's uh, a beautiful man who really gave me my first break in journalism at the Targum. And he started doing this whole interview series and really broke open original music for us. And I'll always be forever grateful of what Jay did because he then allowed us to expand our music section to Asbury Park. And 2010 was the year we did that. And so Asbury Park's been a huge part of this site. And I want to say 
what I want to, I don't know if I've ever really explained why Asbury Park's a huge part of the site. Part of it was geographic because due to my job at the Jersey Shore, I covered Asbury a lot. And during that time period, it was nowhere near as popular as it is now. Uh, right now, it is the place in New Jersey, the number one city, the hotbed for everything. It's like where all the hip people want to go. It's where all the rich people want to go and buy homes. And um, it's lost a little of its identity due to gentrification for sure. Uh, but back in the late aughts, early 2000s, it was coming out of its multi-decade run of just being a town you didn't go to unless you had a ticket to a concert. It was. It looked like a scene from The Walking Dead, season one, where Rick Grimes walks, you know, rides his horse into downtown Atlanta with house with buildings just boarded up and bombed out and people just walking around strung out and it was really terrible at one point i can remember the beaches in the midst of like a beautiful summer with three people on them and two of them being prostitutes and one of them looked like they were overdosing it was really terrible but it really changed too in like the aughts because there were artists coming in and doing really great things and there was a band that i saw at the stone pony in 2009 they opened up for a singer named Nicole Atkins, who's one of my favorite singers, and she has been featured on this site numerous times. She's the best. Pardon me, I'll take a drink. And opening for her, I was sitting in the front, jutting up, jutted up against the stage with Brent, and one of my best friends, Pat Brady, who I've known for close to 25 years. He was a huge Nicole Atkins fan, and he was taking pictures. And the band that opened up was a band that's no longer in existence, but it was a band at the time called River City Extension. River City Extension kind of embodied that um, late aughts, early tens, um, you know, I, I always want to say Stetsons and Vests and Banjos type of um, uh, alternative that, you know, Mumford and Sons and Lumineers and other bands embodied. You know, that when I guess you would throw that were real hipster bands. And, but I would never consider River City like following a fad. Joe Michelini, who did a, our first Christmas show ever back in 2016, um, was a great singer songwriter. And the band was just this, this group that was this huge group, just bursting with energy and, I was so captivated by them. I thought they were amazing. And I remember doing a piece on them in Night and Day. And it didn't translate to Pop Break because, well, I was getting married, so I had other things to think about <laughs> at the time. But I ended up meeting with their manager. His name is, uh, he ended up being a very important dude uh, in my life multiple times. Someone I just ran into recently again. His name is, uh, and I'll tag him in this when I put this live. His name is Billy O'Brien, who's an absolute legend, man. And old school Asbury people will know Billy. And he is morphed into this wizard-like mystical character in the most beautiful sense of the term. And I remember meeting with him at the Bond Street Bar in Asbury. We were banging back some Heinekens. Well, banging back. I had one. I had to drive home. And uh, i never forget the conversation we were having because I, I, I wanted to do a lot more with Asbury. And... Billy was also affiliated with an online radio station called uh, Shore Alternative, 
or it was called Salt. Uh, they were playing a lot of the alternative stuff. They were doing a lot with the local scene through producing shows. And I remember Billy looking me straight in the eye, and he said to me, he's like, Bill, I'm going to tell you something about this scene. If you love Asbury Park, it's going to love you right back. And man, he could not have been more correct. The Asbury Park, Asbury Park has treated us so well, man. From just covering the local, just the embrace from the local bands that we've covered uh, for eight or nine years now, to the people who are on the Stone Pony and the boardwalk venues particularly Angie Sugrum and Chris Famiano and who have just allowed us to run shows at the Wonder Bar and uh, the Anchors Bend outside and the Grand Arcade of Convention Hall in front of a 40 foot high Christmas tree and then believe it or not we ran a show inside the the big arena at Convention Hall where you know, bands like Zeppelin and Sabbath and The Doors and Aretha Franklin played. And, of course, Springsteen. Um, it's been crazy, man. And Asbury has just been where our... I mean, the official location of this site has always been wherever the hell I live. <laughs> because I pay the bills. So whatever the bills come to, that's where we are located. But our heart, where we plant our spiritual flag, is Asbury Park. And it was the right move to make, man. Because it has just, we have the respect and the kindness that we receive from that area. It's it's almost undescribable and almost unfathomable. You know, we're a site that dedicate, you know, that covers a lot of mainstream stuff, but yet still talk, like, still covers the scene and. You know, there are a lot of great sites out there and were a lot of great sites out there that just dedicated themselves to Asbury, but we did a lot more, but we were still embraced by this beautiful music scene. And, um, you know, there's, I've always, I always throughout my life wanted to throw shows. And when we got the opportunity, thanks to Brent being, you know, my partner and someone who, uh, is an early member of the site who doesn't, you know, has been around for a long time because she's out there doing a lot of great humanitarian work out in the Pacific Rim. A woman by the name of Jeannie Crump helped produce these shows, and we took over Shore Alternatives' former residency at the Wonder Bar, and we produced probably about ten to fifteen shows that actually did really well, except for the first show. First show we ever ran was I want to say February second. 2012 we had five people paid to come into that show and the opening band was a band from Allentown PA called Crowbot and these these dudes played like they were headlining the garden man they just ripped hard and that band actually went on to sign up to wind up records which was like the label creed was on and they toured with motorhead and anthrax and i think they're this this fall they're going to tour with a band that is very near and dear to the site we've interviewed them countless times um and they've been so nice to us uh steel panther and uh, i remember there was them there's a band called those mockingbirds and a band called only living boy and those two bands, I don't think, were really bands anymore, actually. And they're not bands anymore, I should say. 
And we produced that show, and there was no one there. But going on from there, we went on to produce a lot of shows in Asbury, and it was a really awesome thing to grow those shows and have great times. We worked with bands like the Fighting Jamesons out of Virginia for a St. Patrick's Day show at Wonder Bar. And the year before, because of Pop Break, I ended up getting on stage of the Stone Pony and it was a magical feeling, man. Just being, you know, like, like Springsteen stood there and Bon Jovi stood there and the best of the best stood on that stage. And here was my dopey ass on stage because of this site I created. And I'll get more into Asbury, I guess, a little bit later. Maybe I won't, but how do we come up with the name Pop Break? I'm very tangential when I speak, so <laughs> how do we come up with the name Pop Break is a question I get a lot because I'm actually going back to our format. Um, so I, I was like, well, we can't stay the B&B entertainment blog forever because, well, it's just a lousy name. So, uh, Brent was like, oh, let's do this. Let's do, let's call it Hodge Pop, which I actually liked. I thought it was a cool name. Problem. And this is a Brent Johnson <laughs> story. Uh, if there ever was one, it turns out that name was a... I want to say like, not like a Tumblr, but like, I guess a blogspot site that Brent and the woman he was dating at the time, who also wrote for us at one point, it was a nice woman named Brooke. She wrote a lot about um, independent music for us. And that was something he had come up with her and they had took their emails of back and forth going about debating about music or topics and stuff like that. And they called it Hodgepop and she'd started this site. Fun fact, one of the few times we ever wrote about food, we used to write about food about on the site. She wrote about the KFC double down. And yes, the double down was that heart attack monstrosity that was like two pieces of fried chicken with like bacon and cheese sauce on the side with no bread. And you just ate it like that. Yeah, we wrote about that. And I think I wrote about the McRib. Yeah. We wrote about some weird stuff on this set. We had a fashion section twice. We had two sisters who originally, who I never met, by the way. The, Colleen and Molly Herford. And those sec, those those columns were so popular. Uh, but I don't know what happened to uh, Colleen, but I know Molly ended up becoming like a big writer in the cycling world. Crazy how things happen. Anyway, not the point. Point is, how do we come up with a name? So I had Hodgepop, and of course, Brent came up with his girlfriend. And of course, they broke up, as most stories happened with Brent before he got married. It was a mess. And so, <laughs> I remember I was asking Brooke if we could use the name, and rightfully so, never responded. So it was myself, Jay, Kundrath, Logan Fowler, and Brent. And we're trying to come up with a name for this site. And I remember, like, we had, like... Pop Treasury was something, was one name that I think Jay came up with. And then I was like, oh, we couldn't come up with anything, guys. It, it was like we were all sitting there going, like, uh, I don't know. It's weird to come up with a name for something. So I was just like, I'm just going to come up with like dad joke puns and see what happens. So the first one I came up with a site called was RoboPop, which everyone's like, that's great, but like it really, um, denotes like you're in the tech world and I'm like oh we're not really doing that so I look to one of my favorite movies of all time unironically one of my favorite movies of all time a movie called Point Break with Keanu Reeves and Patrick Swayze and if you've never seen it you're missing out in life on one of the great cinematic adventures of all time 
listen, I, and again, some of the dialogue in this is not exactly Shakespearean, and the acting isn't like Olivier or anything, but as an action movie, it's awesome. It's got some amazing chase sequences. The surfing stuff in it uh, is completely awesome. So many great one, uh, so many great one-liners from that. Maybe one-liners like dial- lines from it. And I was like, what about Pop Break? And we, the, I don't know if I came up with it or someone came up with the tagline, we're a pop culture break in your day. And that became the through line of this site forever. And it will to the day this site doesn't exist. The reason this through line is what it is, is because, quite frankly, um, there's a lot of heavy shit in the world. And I, I, do I need to tell you what it is? No, I don't. You know what it is. And I'm just talking about the news. What about, like, your own personal life? There's a lot of heavy shit in there. And for me personally, which I'll get something I'll get into in a minute, there's a lot of heavy stuff that happened in the last decade. So we wanted to create a site that allowed you to take a break from all of the heavy heaviness. And you can engage in a podcast, you know, a photo album from a concert shoot, a review, an interview, something. So you don't have this heavy burden. You can take that necessary respite from all that and enjoy something. And I believe to this day that the writing staff was and has been a collection of people from widely disparate walks of life who have a passion for pop culture. Whatever facet it may be. And they write about it with their heart. And they try, and, and, and um, you know, I can't say this forever, but it was like, and there's an intellect behind it. But most important, there's a heart behind it. We mean what we say. We're not just saying something just to say it. We mean it. And I always feel like, it's, I guess I relate back to pro wrestling, is I always feel like the best storylines are the ones that grab you on an emotional level. And if you can, and wrestlers who can, you can connect with, you connect with because you have sort of, you can, you feel the heart of that person. You feel the soul. You feel what they're about. There's an honesty to it. There's a, the passion is honest. And I have to say, the people who have written and shot for the site, the passion there has always been honest and pure. And that's why people have been coming back to this site for a decade. And that's what really keeps me coming back, too. We're not just doing this to do this. We're doing this because we love it. And we're doing this because we believe in what we do. And believe in what we write about. And that's really important. I'd be remiss in this podcast to not talk about one of the most important people in my life and one of the driving forces of the early days of this site and one of the driving forces of this site to this day. And that's my dad. And my dad, 
was always a big supporter of everything I did. He loved when I wrote in college, and he, he read every single word I ever wrote for night and day. And when I told him I was doing this site with Brent, he was he was really excited. He was like, oh, he's like, this is great. He's like, I love Brent's writing. I love your writing. I can't wait to see what you guys put together. Now, this was the late late aughts, early, early 10s. And we used to write a lot about how much we love George Clooney. And he'd be like, oh, he, my dad couldn't stand him, probably for political reasons. Um, yeah. And, uh but he would always, you know, break chops on comments and stuff like that. I'm sure he he actually I think still holds the record for the most comments on the site ever, because he would comment on every single story, and it would be like dad under like dad or like uh, you know Bubba or like uh, TF uh, the TPFM or the TFPM. Um, and then he was like, that, those acronyms say for the, the pizza fucking man or the, uh, the fucking pizza man. Because I, cause when I worked with him, what well, we used to do drops for night and day, we used to deliver the magazine. Uh, pizza places were always difficult for me because they would see me coming and be like, get the hell out of here. And there was, so what I would do, my dad would come with me because he'd be bored. He wanted to do something. So he'd come with me. So I'd send him in the pizza places because, for some reason, they never told him to get get lost. They always were like, oh, yeah, just drop it wherever. That's cool. Thanks. And um, so that was the etymology of that nickname. But he was the biggest supporter of the site. He would email every person he knew. He was like, check out what my son did and all this stuff, man. And before the site started, uh, my dad had been a heavy smoker for a long time. And he... About 2008, I want to say, um, was diagnosed with um, emphysema, pulmonary fibrosis, and he was told he had six months left to live. Luckily, he he lasted till about 2011 in the summer, and uh, he saw me get married, which was very important. I was very happy he was there, it was a great time, and. I remember he and I had just, uh, me, uh, he and I always talked about the site, and I had just come off covering the first ever Governor's Ball Music Festival uh, in, with a uh, longtime friend of the site and, and if, a longtime writer of the site, I should say, Max Barna. And, and I told him all about it, and he was so proud. And I remember we had gotten to the day of Matthew's band Caravan. Um, in Atlantic City, but we ended up ending up going to the New York show instead later down the road due to being rescheduled. And that was, and I remember telling him about it, he was so proud of us. And then um, he took a turn for the worst around Father's Day of 2011. And by mid-June, no, it was right after Father's Day, I should say, sorry. He, um, he ended up in a hospital. And he said to me, um, we were just talking and I knew this was bad. He looked me straight in the eye and he said, I just have to tell, I'm sorry if I get really emotional about this. He said, I just have to tell you, I love what you guys do with this site. And he's like, I know how important it is to you. I do, I don't ever want you to give up on it because I think you have something special here. And he said, promise me that. My dad never really asked me to promise him 
anything really ever outside of fuck, um, taking care of my mom if he ever passed away. He never, he didn't, he never really asked much of me. And I promised him I would. That was the last conversation we ever had. Legit. And, um, sorry. It's, uh, you know, I'm, I'm not looking at a picture of him right now by my desk. Is he's the re- he's a he's a driving force. That promise is a driving force of why this site keeps going. Because if he believed in not just me, but people he had never met who are writing for us, and these are early day people that some of you may not even know anymore. People like Joe Zorzi, Max Barna. Jeannie Crump, I mentioned her previously, a number of other people. He believed in all of them. He never even met them. And he and he would he would offer them encouragement. He's like, You're doing great. Oh, I like this story better than the last one. Oh, you're doing great. That's the type of guy I was. And I knew I couldn't let him down. And uh it's been a driving force of that story. Of this this the story of the last ten years, I should say. And after he passed, um, that kind of drove me over, <laughs> a little crazy, actually, probably. Um, so I needed to fill my life with just keep myself busy. And that's why so many of the sections of the site opened up. The music section, I remember that first year after he passed, I probably interviewed 50 or 60 bands. And, and I was reaching out to everyone. And we had no right interviewing half the people we did, probably. Like, I remember it was like Rob Zombie and Weird Al and Alter Bridge and like Agnostic Front and Real Big Fish and all these groups, man, we shouldn't have had any right talking to. And I remember we ended up working at that time with like HBO and we started actually covering television. And I, I credit all, covering television to two people. And it was Kimberly Rossi Fox, who, if you've read the site recently, she did a lot with Game of Thrones this year. And the Game of Thrones was one of the first shows we ever covered. The other one being Doctor Who. And when I say covering TV, I mean covering it every single week. I mean, I had written about... I And this shows you how long we've been around. I wrote about the first episode ever of The Walking Dead. I wrote about the first episode ever of Boardwalk Empire, which I thought was going to be a huge show, but was not. Uh, but the HBO hooked us up with screeners, and that's why I noticed the site was like starting to get places, man. But it was a lot of that of what my dad had instilled in me that kept this site going. Were there other bad times with this site? As I have a note of that, I'll just talk about it because you should. Um, yeah, there were. Or there's there ever times I wanted to fold the site? Many times. Wondering why I did it. How many times I lost money stuff that happened with the site that I can't really talk about. It's nothing really crazy, but, you know, legal stuff. Um, there were times where people on the site were very unhappy with each other. There was a time in 2013 when we had five people writing for the site. And I can thank the following people for keeping this site afloat. Those people were our first film editor ever, Dan Cohen, who, like me, uh, lost his dad. I was working on the site, and Dan, you know, 
I luckily was able to try and use my experience to help Dan a little bit, but I don't know why I brought that up, but Dan was a great guy. He really, he really, and he still is a great guy. He runs our fantasy football league still. Uh, I never, and, and the funny thing is, I, I, I've talked to Dan so many times, and Dan was a guy who really pushed for podcasts. And the reason we have so many podcasts is because Dan was the guy who kept on my ass and saying, we need podcasts, we need podcasts, and we did them. And now podcasts are stable. I'm, I'm doing a podcast literally because Dan Cohen was up my ass years ago saying, you need to do podcasts. And that man wrote so many film reviews and saw so many terrible movies. And I swear, and this is on audio, Dan, if this site ever makes it, I will send you a check for all the lousy movies I made you see, including uh, Red Riding Hood with Amanda Seyfried and Battle of Los... Uh, oh, you didn't see Battle of Los Angeles. Um... It was also Lauren Stern, who was our, our managing editor, and her boyfriend, now husband, Luke Calamar, who became our first TV editor. Those two wrote constantly, and Lauren was another person who was on me to constantly improve this site. She might have annoyed me, but that annoyance, in, in, in hindsight, that annoyance was the stuff I needed for my managing editor. And Luke was just, well, besides being an awesome dude, uh who I used to write a real man watching reality TV column with, um, you know, he, he really shaped what television was. Uh, we have Mike Dworkis who's still with us. He was writing all these wrestling reviews and he would cover Monday night raw and he would cover all the pay-per-views and he's been doing it forever for us. Even with three girls and health problems, all stuff. He, he has always come through in a clutch for us and our first photographer ever, Keate Lewis, who, shot would shoot for live nation live nations like you could publish this stuff anywhere and he would just give us all these photos from the arts pnc bank art center in homedale new jersey and we would get stuff like dave matthews and heart and the warp tour and all these big shows and it was great another person i have to thank for tv like kimberly was jason a guy by the name of jason steve stive steves i always pronounce your name wrong sorry um who really pushed for doctor who and Doctor Who was one of the first shows we ever reviewed every week. And we were, it was the, one of the first big moments in television for us as we were able to re- go to the world premiere of Doctor Who and got to interview Matt Smith and Karen Gillan. And it was crazy, man. And that's one thing about this site. Like, even though there were those bad times, even though those times where I was super depressed, where I was like, why am I doing this? All these existential crisis. Um, we, we've done so many crazy things, man. Like, we went to a world premiere and sat next to major international publications for Doctor Who. We, we, we've gone to Madison Square Garden multiple times. We've you know, covered like Justin Timberlake and Pink and Billy Joel. You know, we, we've been to New York Comic Con like so many times. And just I, I have forgotten half the people we've talked to. But I remember we, we interviewed uh, the cast of Rick and Morty in that first season. Kevin Bacon, Kevin Smith a million times, Bruce Campbell, the icon, right? Going out the West Coast to San Diego Comic-Con. Talking to Rami Malek, who won the friggin' Best Actor Oscar last year. 
talking to Seth Rogen of the cast of The Walking Dead. And speaking of concerts, like, we've shot over 600 major artists. You know, everyone for, all over the place, man. We've shot in Canada. Shot in L.A. Atlanta. Houston. Chi-Town. I'm sorry, Chicago. I was so stupid I said that. Montana. Freaking Montana, really? Uh, almost every single venue in New York City and Brooklyn. Every single venue in Philly. Every single venue... In New Jersey. I mean, we shall Blink-182 open up the Walmart Theater again. You know, we were at MetLife Stadium to shoot Taylor Swift. Taylor Swift? Really? It's insane. It shot Bruce Springsteen multiple times. The God of Jersey. Shot Robert Plant a Led Zeppelin at Mountain Jam. Called Jay-Z. <laughs> Made in America. And then catch an opening. Actually, never would have thought of like Cardi B and Lizzo opening up Made in America. That the biggest things in music right now, man. And then with the, and in film, we it, it, going to South by Southwest, getting into the Tribeca Film Festival, being in, being quoted in movie trailers, being and of course being tra- quoted in the trailer for Temptation Island. I I don't know what is even better than that <laughs> we've been quoted and thanked in the liner notes of albums the back of graphic novels you know what i mean we've we've we've, we've done a lot of cool stuff wwe access shooting monday night raw when no one else does shoot new japan pro wrestling talking to the new people at over at aw on tnt and there's so many other things, man, that I don't even know if I can remember all of them. Like the interviews we've gotten. Been nuts, man. Just sitting like John C. Riley and Josh Gad and Angela Bassett, Kathy Bates, like utterly crazy. And I think one of the coolest things we've ever done is getting a reviewer on Rotten Tomatoes. And that's a person I have to thank. I'm going to start thanking some people, too, is like our film editor, Marissa Carpico, our current film editor. Of course, I thank Dan for being such a rad dude who really gave film an identity. And I remember Dan and I, when Dan left the site, it was a really sad day for me. But we were talking, like, who's going to be the new film editor? And we both sat there and I'm like, oh, Marissa would be great. But I don't know if she wants to do it. And he's like, and Dan's like, just ask her. I think she'd be really great at it. Remember I asked her and she immediately said yes. And it was one of the great things ever, man. Because she took that philosophy, ideology I'd had for years of mainstream and independent and found the balance there. And is now on Rotten Tomatoes. She can never write a ho- about a horse movie again. But... It's another story for another day. But, like, getting on there, and her work is out there, and her work has been brilliant. And she's done such great work with podcasting. We've got Matt Taylor, our TV editor, who took over for a great editor, and Aaron Sarnacki. He was phenomenal as TV editor. And Matt Taylor, you know, he's doing the podcast, and he's done a great job. And through him... And work collaborating with him. We work we work more regularly with Hulu, Amazon Prime, and Netflix and Stars and hopefully again HBO. 
and all these other channels, man. And then music, which has always been the one we've seen a lot of turnover at. Because music's tough, man. It's not it's not easy. Our great music editor, Kat Mano, is one of my favorite writers on the site. Sorry, everybody. She's great. And oh, she took over for Marley Gazon and Lisa Picard and Jason Steves and uh, I'm sure I'm forgetting somebody and if I did I for, I'm sorry they've done a great job they all were awesome and like we have the music section has changed over the years and it's been super cool and then we have our comic book editors uh, Rachel Freeman and Sheena Fisher have done a great job like really going out to the cons and inter- getting the interviews with creators and stuff like that have been great and we have all these other great people who write for us. So I'm going to get to towards the end. But one of the people I really have to thank, who's been a, a really, and this kind of segues into something, he's been a really great right-hand man, but more of like a partner in the site with me, has been Al Manorino. Al's a guy who came on in 2013 as a staff writer. Uh, I was talking to him last week, and I was like, Al was canned you because... He missed a bunch of stories, which he can consider he only did miss one, but I think it was more than one. And he's been this guy who's always been in the best way possible, pain in my ass to get stuff done. He's always like requesting. He was he was like in here for two weeks. He was like, I want to interview this band, this band, and this band, and this band. I think I want to interview like Capital Cities, and Capital Cities had like a big hit at one point. I can't even remember what the hell it was. It was such a one-hit wonder. They're big. He's like, I want to interview them. And somehow I got it. And that has been Al's MO. I want to interview this person. Let's just go for it. He's a guy who's always pushed me. And because he pushed me, we got a lot more done because of it. Hell, he pushed me a few weeks ago. He's like, I want to shoot Morrissey. I'm like, there ain't no chance in hell we're going to shoot Morrissey, man. And we did. And that's the thing with this site. It's always been like, you don't know until you ask, man. And that, and, you know, asking has been a big part of it. And, and, and as another thank you part where I have to say that there's a lot of great publicists throughout the years who really took a chance on us when they didn't have to. You know, and I, and, and I always want to thank the early people who have been really great to us. You know, Heidi Robinson Fitzgerald, and Amanda Kagan, Kevin who's I'm going to butcher your last name, Chai Maranti, Kevin Calabro, Ray Roldan, Mike Cabios, all the dudes over at BB Gun Press. And that's just music. Who've been really, who, they were the first people to really get on board with us and give us the most opportunities. They saw something in us and they're like, yeah, we want to work with these guys. And because of that, that helped us grow and helped us get places. And it's been awesome. There are people at HBO and BBC America in the early days, too, that really believed in us and really did a lot of great things. And it was really cool. But to those people, I want to thank you guys for that. And I guess the next part I really want to get into when I was talking about Al was talking about real-life impact. Because, like I said, Al started out as just some dude who ended up on the site. Al's one of my best friends now. I officiated Al's wedding. 
I helped Al get a job. A temporary job, probably, but it was he, some, and get some loot. But yeah, he's one of my best friends, man. Like I was mentioning other people, Logan Fowler started with the site. I officiated his wedding too, but we became closer. We were friends in high school, became closer because of this site. Ann Hale, who's one of the people I want to thank for being one of the longest running staff members on this on this site, our horror editor, who always brings a great flair in the spooky season for us, fostered all these relationships with home video companies like Lionsgate and Universal on her own. She's my cousin. I met her for unfortunate reasons. Just this year, for the, so the first time since she was four. We never really met. But we came, we had, I got a great bond because of the site. Like Logan and I, we, we were friendly, but became greater friends because of the site. Al's a guy I didn't even know. I'm friends with him. Best friends with him. I was once accused, and I accuse is a strong word, but I got criticized, I should say, for quote unquote running the site like a fraternity. And I said I took great pride in that in that criticism because I used fraternity, and I guess sorority too, in the purest sense of the word. A community of friends and eventually family that supported each other that had a common goal of this site and wanted to work together to be something more. We're just, and people have been there for me. They're not, some people aren't even at the site anymore. And some people are now that have been there for me personally that I can never forget, even if we're not close now. I remember I got diagnosed in 2012 after I lost my job uh, due to Superstorm Sandy with type 2 diabetes. And this guy who was no longer with the site, his name was John Elliott, and he ended up giving me a lot of tips about how to take care of myself. He didn't have to do that, but he did. When I lost my dad, I had a lot of people out there reaching out to me from the site. They didn't have to do that, but they did. When my daughter was born... The gifts, I received gifts from people from the site. I didn't have to do that, but they did. And recently I ran into a really terrible mental health state. And I had so many people from the site that I kind of just let know a little bit what was going on. I'm not going through a good time. That reached out to me and tried to keep, that kept tabs on me to make sure I was okay. And there are people I've met outside who don't write for this site. People who you've heard on podcasts before on this site, like Mike Haliger, Kenny Pete, um, Angie Subram, who I mentioned before, Taylor Allen, and a number of other people who've become like good friends, become almost like family. Not almost, have become family. And none of that would have happened if it wasn't for the site. And that's like, I might not make any money out of this site ever. But the impact on my life, on a personal level, I, can never, you can't, I can't quantify that. can't put a price tag on that. 
And there's so many jobs I've gotten. Not because of anything I did at night and day. Not of anything I've done in any other job. But pop break is the thing everyone pulls out and says, I want to hire you because of what you've done here. And that thing, this site has helped me out in a lot of big financial jams, I can tell you that. I know other people have gotten compliments on it, and I've been I've been honored and blessed to be people's recommendations to help them get jobs. And I've seen people go on to places like ABC Television and Vice and places all over the world, literally all over the world, and they've had us on their resume. And I, it's pretty great. And the real-life impact this has had on me like I said, the original statement, I guess, the original intent of the site, you know, was my creative outlet. And it has been, man. I've penned probably, I could tell you in a second, actually. I'll look it up for you so I can give you the exact number. It's probably not even the exact number because I probably have <laughs> not edited everything properly. But according to the site, there's about 1,700 stories written by me. And I've obviously, I've done a lot of group pieces, so I can already see uh, stuff I've done wrong that I'm not should not be attributed to that I'll fix right now. Um, so there's probably about 2,000 pieces that I've written for this site. And I can tell you that I've written about a lot of stuff I probably didn't like or maybe I shouldn't have written about because I just wasn't qualified. But I can tell you that I needed all 2,000 of those pieces, man. It's been... I've learned how to become a better writer because of the people I've surrounded that have been on this site. I work with so many smart people. Someone said that the sign of wisdom is you surround yourself with smarter people. It was not my... I didn't do that intentionally. It just I just lucked out. And... I was really lucky, man. Because there's a lot of people throughout this 10 years that I've, 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 I've read and have forced me to become better. And they forced me to become a better writer, a better editor, a better boss... And a better person. And to this day, I'm still stunned that 10 years later, we have so many people working for us and they don't make a dime. I mean, I don't make a dime either, but they don't make a dime, man. They still produce at a high level. And it's pretty amazing. And I just love this site, man. And that's why I keep doing it because a lot of people ask me, like, how the hell can you do that? You know, some of that was that promise I made to my dad. I told him I wouldn't let him down. I wouldn't stop. But there's countless hours, man, that I've put into this site. A lot of money I've lost. A lot of of stuff's been a pain in the ass, I guess. But the site's been an intrinsic part of my life for so long. And it just, it brings me joy every day seeing the creativity that people bring, whether it's in words or photos or audio form. And I'm damn proud of every single person who I'm now going to list because they deserve it. Now people who work for the site right now. I mentioned Al Manorino, Marissa Carpico, Matt Taylor, Kat Manos, Sheena Fisher, Rachel Freeman, 
or Johnny Rawls. Alicia Weinberger, who has had the unenviable task of earning our social media. Anthony Toto, one of my favorite writers. There's no knock on MJ who I didn't say anything about. He's he's fabulous. Writer-photographer. Laura Dengrove, who started with us as a teenager. I've seen her grow up before my eyes. Dylan Brancima, GJ, DJ Chapman, Scott Clifford, Sean Cordy, who has gotten us into so many ridiculous interviews like Matthew McConaughey and Taiki Watiti. Rob Kreller has taught me a lot. Laura Curry, Ryan DeMarco, Chris Diggins, Matt Gilbert, Angelo Gingerelli, Mark Henley, Andrew Howie, Lucas B. Jones, who puts all these podcasts together, Melissa Jobin, Allison Lips, Megan LaBruna, Asia Martin, Aaron Mathis, Nick Picaro, Aaron and Josh Sarnecki, Tommy Tracy, Matt Wittis, Christian Bischoff, Michelle Karachi, Aaron Doyle, George Heffler, Darren Kirsch, Jen Nanai, Brian McNamara, Tom Moore, Ben Murchison, Mike Vagiano, Stacey Altamari, Kelsey Ayers, Kat DeBarros, Matt Easley, Will Marks, Willie Malote, Jesse Murch, Kathy Poulton, Patricia Tenesla, <laughs> oh, sorry, I screwed up your name, Patriciana Tenesila, Kim Wessels, Matt Kelly, who redesigned the entire site for us, also Nick Picaro, who did the first rule rig design for us. And there's like so many other people. And if I didn't mention you, I apologize, man. I really do. It's been 10 years, man, and it's been absolutely wild. On a personal level, man, I've grown. I, I, I feel like my horizons have been broadened. I am not the same person. I mean, literally and figuratively, emotionally, spiritually, physically, that I was 10 years ago, man. I'm 37 years old now. Married, I have a home, I have a dog, I have a daughter. I've had a million jobs. My music t- tastes have changed because of this website. The way I look at movies is different because of this website. The way I actually watch TV because of this website. I never used to watch TV. It was either Netflix movies or wrestling. I know more about comic books because of this. My perspective on wrestling is different because of this site. My life has changed completely because of this site and it's because of every person, whether they've written 2,000 stories or they wrote one story, that kept this site going for 10 years. And those people who check in on this site every single day or have read one story that have made all the difference in this world to keep us going. From those publicists who have been with us for years or just give us one opportunity. It means all the difference in the world. It's why this site keeps going. I'm not going to make any grand promises about what's going to come to the future of this site. But I can tell you this, it's not going to stop. Because it means so much to me. And I believe it means a lot to other people too. So, in closing... Thank you. Plain and simple. Thank you. Every single one of you from the bottom of my heart. 
you've helped me kept a promise I made on my dad's deathbed. Literally. You've helped me through the worst times of my life. You've changed me, changed me in so many ways. I am so proud of every single person that I have had the honor of publishing on this site. You people are amazing. You people are the lifeblood of this site and the reason it has existed for 10 years. I love you guys. I respect you guys. And thank you for giving me the privilege of working with you. Well, I guess I can't do a podcast without reminding you about the, uh, you know, social media. Check us out. <laughs> I don't know how to end these podcasts. Check us out every day, thepopbreak.com. On Twitter, at popbreak.com, all spelt out. Forward slash popbreak.com, all spelt on Facebook. At the popbreak on Instagram. So, this is Bill Bodkin signing off. Thank you for 10 years of pop break and here's to a hell of a lot more.